Right, B. Uh, I'm so excited that you're going to be part of this, okay? like. Wait, wait, okay, so... He... I know you're going to say yes, so it's okay. <laughs> you just asked me over here because you said you had an uh, idea, but uh, I'm not... I know I know better. Well, I'm not saying yes until I hear the whole fucking thing. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> let's just start with... Um, let me show you some of the things I got. Uh, let me get this bag up. Open that up. Ugh. Oh, man. What the fuck is in that? These are going to be part of my utility belt. Your what? My utility belt. Maine has a serious problem. Crime is rampant across this whole state, and I think someone outside of the police force needs to rise up and do what's right. And that's why I'm slapping on these wellies, I'm getting the yellow coveralls out, I'm getting the yellow hat, and everyone's going to be saying hello the criminals, at least, to the lobster man of Portland, Maine. I've got my grappling hook. I've got my, I got a net, because that goes with the theme. A net. Yeah. What are you going to do? Throw it at people as they're running away? Yeah, actually. How good's your aim? Oh, pretty all right. You know, you can, like, hold on. I'm going to just fling it around and, ah! I missed the chair. But I can get better with practice. You know, Batman wasn't good on his first year, right? He got he got a couple of scrapes and uh, bumps along the way. So what am I supposed? To, what am I? Listen up, okay. So, I need intel. When I'm out surveying the streets with my net and my fish hook, I gotta make sure that I have somebody who's feeding information to me on the earpiece. You gotta be on the police scanners for me, and you gotta be looking up the information of some of the bad guys that I'm gonna be looking at. You know? So I don't even get to be Robin? No, you're going to be, you're going to, Alfred is key to Batman's success. Without Alfred, there is no Batman. So let me tell you here, you're going to be my Alfred, yeah. You, you know what? Actually, you're going to be my Barbara. That's more close to it. So you're going to be my Barbara. I no. got this laptop. You know what happens with Barbara and Bruce, right? What happens? They fuck! Oh, I thought her legs get blown off or something. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. You okay? Before, anyway. I, I told a joke and then immediately jumped into <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give Jackson Welcome to Homegrown Horror The main spooky podcast where we're always telling jokes We're never serious <laughs> It's like 70% jokes Mostly not good <laughs> The kings of corn are back for this episode Episode 31 of the catalog Yay, we made it to 31 I think I had told you I'd found out, I think it's like 75% of podcasts never make it past episode 20. I could, I mean, I get it, you know? It's hard to commit to something. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, we're looking at, uh, some episodes we've had have been like 45 minutes before. But yeah, we're looking at like an hour of time each week, prep, editing, all that, you and know? Then, like, again, we said in the last episode, we are recording three, ep these episodes have been recorded back to back. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do the bonus episode right after, after this. this. So yep. get that ready for you. Maybe we'll release it early this month. <gasps> Who knows? Ooh. A surprise! If release. you're good, if you're good, if you're good we'll mommy and daddy it. will release it early. <laughs> you get to hear all about the news. Speaking of daddy, <laughs> I did mention I wanted to talk about something, and it was, um, you know, like yes, the progressive commercials that talk about you becoming your parents. parents. I think that's becoming more and more relevant to me as I'm into my late 20s that I realize a lot of mannerisms of my own father that I've been adopting, one of them being a huge red flag to me because I always thought it was really weird. Oh? Talking a little bit too much, I'm getting maybe too personal about the details of living with my father. Like, um, <laughs> he would very often just kind of hang out in a robe around the house when he's home <laughs> or just in his underwear. He'd be working and he'd just kind of like, lounge about in his sleepwear who does it though yeah, i think well, every I mean, everybody does that now that we've realized the yes, joys of working from yes, home yes but the entire family will be home and he'll be in a robe 
That's the the funny thing. We'll all be fully clothed. He'll be in a robe. Oh, The man cannot be bothered with pants. (laughs) Okay. Once the pants come off, you know dad is relaxing. That was the thing that I learned uh, at a young age. And I think it holds true because (laughs) recently I was gifted a lovely L.L. Bean robe from Mm. my mother-in-law. And I love it. I love wearing the robe. I've been wearing it pretty consistently. Um, And I wear it almost every day. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that I've developed a habit that when I get home from work, I will immediately take my pants off and most of my other clothes and just wear this robe. And I realized as I was like working from home the other day, I didn't have any meetings. So I was just in my robe on my laptop typing away. And then I realized I have become my father. I am Brad. <laughs> oh my god. It's just a very sudden and terrifying realization to <laughs> that know. That you become your father. Because I've tried so hard not to. I, I didn't listen to classical. You know, I was listening to metal music. I was doing rock and roll. I was getting really... I, I was becoming an artiste. And then the sad realization of being part of provincial lifestyle and then wake up one day and you're your father you're wearing a bathrobe and it's two o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) (laughs) it's okay you can be a metal daddy i can be a metal daddy that's okay i teased this in the last episode as well but i'm very excited because um we're doing all these episodes back to back and i'm going to be visiting my mom in bend oregon uh, who is turning 60. She's an awesome lady. She's a New York Times bestseller. Happy birthday, Marie. Happy birthday. If you like, uh, maybe this will boost sales. Hey, listeners, uh, not sponsored by my mother, but if you like um, some wholesome fiction, uh, check out Marie Bostwick. She writes a lot it's about like quilts. Romance, and, uh, quilt, romance and quilting. Some romance, more less romance these days, more lifestyle, kind of slice of lifestyle. She went to the Romance Writers of America conference. In her early years, she was writing a lot of romance. And yeah, like as an early author, she would, she would go to all the conferences to try to get around, get some names, uh, spread, you know, network and all that. And she would go to the Romance Writers of America conference, which is apparently a miserable experience. It sounds fun to me. You were explaining it, and I was like, I would have way too much fun here. It's uh, it's a little... Well, people are kind of nuts there. I think that's the problem. Have that, you met me? Yeah, I have met you. You might like it, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, no, my mom went all out for the Romance Writers the first year that she went. She like There would be a theme night every night. So she would like dress up, but really what had ended up happening was that they were in this, you know, small little town in Florida, not a lot of food around. Uh, she brought her grandma over and they just got hammered the entire weekend or whatever <laughs> course of the conference this was. They were just like, fuck it, let's just drink. This is miserable. <laughs> I hope nobody from the right, right Romance Writers of America is listening. They can't fucking touch her anymore. Like, I, I, she's totally distanced herself from that at this point. No, you never know. I literally am trying to write books. <laughs> <laughs> Are they romance? Questionable erotica is you know probably the term i would describe to them oh (laughs) well yeah because erotica is the new romance erotica is the new romance yeah (laughs) okay i just watched this really great video on youtube 2022 we'd ask now (laughs) (laughs) actually no i'm gonna tell you this story later this isn't for the podcast it just has to do with some really bad romance novels (laughs) it's not for you guys it's for me apparently but yeah um but yeah Mom's birthday's coming up. We got a lot of fun things planned for her. We uh, all are, me and my brothers and their sex of family are all, um... So you said sex. <laughs> my brother, me and sex. my brother's sex. 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 <laughs> S-E-C-T. Uh, yeah, we're all, like, coming together and, uh, Jesus. <laughs> poor, continuing poor word choice. We're all collaborating and we've, uh, like... <laughs> submitted pictures and uh letters for a nice little picture book she's gonna get and then we've also um uh one other cool thing we're making a music video with her emily and i have to record our lyrics this weekend 
Um, and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so someone hired a, a family member on uh, one of my uh, in sister-in-law's side. And she, this person's from New York and they uh, make songs for a living and they made a whole song for Do they work mom. for Songfinch? I don't think so, no. Sponsor us, Songfinch. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor us, I'll take anything. I don't know what you are. <laughs> it's, you make personal, you hire, like it's a service to hire people to make personal music for you. For oh, gifts and things like that. awesome. Maybe they can make us a theme song someday because i like our theme song it's not going anywhere i have to turn down the volume i have to level my our goofy theme song so many times i love the goofy theme song i know i was really i mean i also like our other theme song because i made it but (laughs) my the goofy theme song is really funny because it came out of a place of like complete naivety i what you hired me for the podcast yeah i well because i i had allegra had told me you before you guys moved here that you wanted to do a podcast, but there wasn't really anybody who was really on board and you didn't really know what you wanted to do. And I wanted to do this. Originally, Allegra was going to be my co-host, but then she realized, she's like, fuck, then I have to listen to Britney talk about true crime all the time and I already do that enough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck this. So I had offered to you, I was like, hey, I'm looking for a co-host. Would you be down for this? And then when you moved here, we talked about it a little bit. And then one day I woke up and you're like, I wrote a theme song. Yeah, I said I just woke up early and I wrote a theme song, and I was like, "Hey, you probably didn't do this yet, right?" And she's like, "I, I did," <laughs> but I kind of I liked the idea of like for when we had things that were a little bit more had a little bit more levity to them, we have the goofy theme song because that thing is a treasure. Yes, it the was thing a is lot a fucking treasure. It's a lot of fun to write that. I wrote the lyrics first, I think. Actually, yes, you did. <laughs> and then I wrote the weird beat behind it. Um, but yeah, no, there we go. What, did you, what do you want to talk about, me? Um, <laughs> I really don't have much else. I told you about my slimes. Um, we're going to watch Encanto tonight because Lily hasn't seen it. Oh, it's so good. Because I'm going to be canceling my Disney Plus subscription. Why? Sing money? No, be- partly because money, but also partly because and I don't want to get super like into this too much, but... Disney has backed proponents of Don't Say Gay. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have right. been actually donating to I... most of the people who have supported this bill, and I am very. I can't... I'm honestly not so... surprised at all. And it's very frustrating because Disney has really gotten into this whole thing where, like, every year they basically dump out buckets of Pride merch and they're like, you know, they're like, we're on board with you. They've been, you know, they were like, but not really. you know, in, on, in Beauty and the Beast, they're like, we have an exclusively gay moment. You know, they've been like really sort of token support of yeah. the gay community of which I am a part of. So for me, it is more of a, I am the type of person where like, I do think that I can vote with my dollar. And so I choose to, and that's yeah. my, like, you can do whatever you want, but we're going to watch Encanto. And then we're going to cancel the subscription because we also don't watch it a lot. And it's just kind of like, I have it's some... a natural course for us. Well, you know what? You're not going to have Disney anymore, but that's okay. I can introduce you to some uh, really wonderful um, questionable streaming sites that I take advantage of every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> So, you don't need Netflix. You have the internet. Yeah. So <laughs> go back to my day. Oh my God. Like, cause I also, so when I was young, when I was young, um, I sound so old. I'm only 27, but uh, my mind is older. <laughs> <You're crazy. laughs> um, but when, you know, back in the day being an anime fan, you know, now there are so many different places that you can watch anime. You have Netflix, mm-hmm. you can watch it on Crunchyroll, Funimation has a streaming service, there's yeah. High Dive, like, there's so many, Asian Crush, there's so many places that you can watch anime legally. You could not watch anime legally unless you watched it on TV or DVDs back in mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. And being a 12-year-old with no money, <laughs> like, we just torrented everything. Yeah, you had to. There was, like, and they all, like, and also, there was this whole culture of, like, people who would put time and effort into manually translating and subbing. Like, just random, like, 
no money. Like, they didn't get, like, they were getting nothing out of this except for they were doing this for the community. Yeah. Fan subbers, like, I salute you to this day. <laughs> like, so that's how you had to watch anime. Yeah. When I was growing up. And a lot of times, it, it, you know, now there are so many seasonally and it it's just like it's a non-stop role but like if you had heard like reading my in my anime magazines like if there was something that i wanted to watch i would either have to fight like buy the dvd but of course those only usually came in dvd box sets were upwards of like 70 dollars mm-hmm. or you have to like dig through the internet mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 i highly yeah. recommend like if you want to support support the people that make the content because yes, I am also absolutely. an artist support the people who make the content but also I'm just acknowledging the history of like we used to like it was inaccessible yeah I mean that was when you were a kid and yeah like to say like I don't stream like illegally anymore like I'm just making that clear unless it is literally impossible for me to be able to get it from any source like which has happened it's something like like I got like, I have to go to the internet like, I mean, that does happen sometimes with Netflix animes. Like, Kakagurui was in Netflix jail for almost two years. Yeah, true. Before, like, a lot of other places do simulcasting where it's released on the same day. Nope, Netflix is like, I'm holding this hostage for a year to two years. Yeah. <laughs> Which is stupid as fuck. But, like, you know, I'd say... Because Netflix really uses the binge model. Mm-hmm, so if things are yeah. coming out weekly, it, it... Which is interesting because they do bake off weekly. Yeah, that's the only thing that they, like, span out, which is kind of... That well, I mean, they do a couple other shows. That the Circle is that way as well. I only watched The Circle with you that couple times. Yeah. I didn't watch the, the most recent season, and there's another one coming out. The first and second season are, like, gold. Yeah? I solid. really want... I think... I always thought it was funny. So, just really quickly, and then we can dive into your story. <laughs> but with The Circle, what it was is it's this game where people are all living in this apartment complex and they aren't allowed to see each other and they only can't they cultivate an online personality and that's how they talk to people some people Mm -hmm. go in and Mm -hmm. they're who they say they are yeah some people go in and they're catfish i want to audition for this show and my pitch is it's a lesbian couple trying to be a straight man (laughs) like we would just be like some really hot dude and like use our combined lesbian wiles <laughs> to become a very hot like um jock boy <laughs> what would the name of your straight man be <sighs> kenneth Bo. Bo. that's a straight man <laughs> i had ladies i could take all threes <laughs> Bell is hetero. <laughs> Very hetero. Well, B, thank you very much for sharing. And, you know, you were talking about these, like, <laughs> online heroes. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But they were they were kind of doing some illegal stuff. You almost could call them vigilantes in a way. I suppose way. so. Yeah. So let's talk about my <laughs> Actually, story I'm not going to lie. Your, today, your um, segues have been very good. The one other segue I did besides this one? No, I'm saying like normally oh, okay. like they're normally our segues are hit or miss. Today yes. you've had two very good segues. There we go. And That's maybe it's because I've been approval. drinking Moscato, but I like them. Yeah, keep <laughs> drinking that, please. <laughs> maybe I'll sound amazing by the end. So I'm going to be talking about um, a famous series of murders that took place around 2006 and what's interesting about it is the conversation that would start to evolve not only in Maine uh, uh, around the reasons of to why the killer did what they did but across not just like the U.S. but even into Canada there's a lot of questions about how people should be releasing information when it comes to sex offenders so we're gonna get oh. into it have you heard of this no but i kind of think i know where you're going with this i think it's it's kind of i mean i really again, teased it out very, you said 2006 yeah 2006. i was 12 mm-hmm. you so, might have heard about it like in the area maybe well. like i was yeah were you in georgia did I, nope there? no okay i was in georgia we moved back from georgia when i was six mm-hmm so we were okay, here. So you've been around. Uh, yeah. yeah, you would. I've you been might around. have. You've been around. 
You might have heard about this then okay. um, at the time. But let's just kind of, I'm going to go through the history of this. Okay. Just because I think it's interesting how it all evolves. But I also think it's very important to understand where the killer, his early life kind of started and how it's evolved. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about Stephen Marshall. Stephen Marshall was born in August 9th of 1985 in Fort Worth, Texas. Lived a pretty normal life early on as a child with his uh, family, Margaret and Ralph, who were a couple. Okay. So in August 9th, 1985, Stephen Marshall, Stephen Marshall was born in Fort Worth, Texas. He lived a pretty normal life early on. He had a family. Um, his father was named Ralph and his uh, mother was named Margaret. Um, I believe this is around the second marriage for Ralph. Okay. Um, they ended up having an interesting relationship where they would end up moving quite a lot. But I believe they're both originally from Canada. But anyway, as far as early life of the family, let's move on. In 19... so not, but not yeah. a lot of stability if they're moving around a lot for mm, a young kid. Not, not a whole lot for the kid. And he would end up moving quite a lot even on his own volition uh, in That's his early years. To. Yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up uh, with a lot of moving in my life. I think the only time that I like was... The longest I was ever somewhere when I was younger was in Connecticut. Uh, but early life, I was moving around between Mexico, Washington State, California, and then a couple towns in Connecticut. Like, as far as length of stay, I've been in Connecticut the longest. Mm -hmm. um, in 1988, the family would end up moving from Texas up to Cape Breton, all the way in Nova Scotia. So it's quite a huge move going from Texas back into Nova Scotia here. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fa family would end up moving a bit around Canada between a couple different provinces. But eventually Stephen would end up living with his grandparents in Arizona. There's quite a lot of family that are living in this area. Uh, he would do that in 1993. And his mom, Margaret, and his six-week-old uh, sister, Sarah, would also move to Arizona but Stephen's dad would end up staying in the Nova Scotia area and would move around there. There was clearly some, I didn't get a lot of details about the marriage problems that were happening, but clearly something was going on. And actually later on in 2004, the couple would end up separating. Did they separate or did they divorce? They said that they separated. I didn't get any information that they actually divorced. Yeah. But they did separate and it seems like they basically are divorced because... Ralph would end up moving back in with his first wife, kind of floating around, seeing other people. Kind of seems yeah. like they're basically divorced at this point. I don't know. I what, you know. This is just a me wondering, how, how does the divorce process work if you are in two different countries? I don't know. I think that makes it complicated. Maybe they just said, fuck it. <laughs> It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know what Can you run country... off? Could you go to, if you're, like, if they got married in America, could they run up? Could he, like, get married legally in Canada if his marriage is in another country? Oh, man, I have no idea, I have actually. questions. That's interesting. I don't know what the jurisdiction would, like, what jurisdiction takes precedent when it comes to uh, going through that kind of documentation. If you move, do you have to end up getting a marriage license in, like another country i don't think so because allegra and i looked into that because we both want to move to new zealand that's oh. that's a pipe dream but <laughs> yeah big pipe dream <laughs> we'd love to live in new zealand i want to be a hobbit <laughs> you can live in hobbiton yes i think they still have some hobbit holes they there. sure do have that. some hobbit holes there <laughs> that sounds dirty <laughs> 50 little hobbit holes okay <laughs> i'm also drinking out of a frodo mug <laughs> or my frodo glass uh, I'm drinking out of a, a beer glass. Beer bottle. Yeah. <laughs> beer glass. I'm fancy, you're not. <laughs> yep. Um, Stephen would end up uh, in Arizona attending a middle school um, between 96 and 97, a little bit over a year. But his mother would end, mother would end up... <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> you listen to this podcast and you know I can't talk. <laughs> Actually, yeah, because we're both a couple drinks in now. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Stephen ends up getting pulled out of the, the middle school by his mother uh, due to some bullying incidents Aww. that he was, you know, doling out to the children. Oh, he was. He was doing it. Yeah. Oh, just kidding. Yeah, he was a little. I retract my his, sympathy. His middle school teacher would end up actually saying that 
he wasn't really that bad, so maybe it wasn't. Re- it was some mild bullying. I think kids in general are just mean to each other. Yeah. Like so, it's probably just him being mean. Yeah, you know, kids are just kind of mean overall, and maybe he was just more visible in yeah. some respects. Um, but his middle school teacher would say like he wasn't necessarily a bad kid. He did have definitely have authority issues though. So it's like yeah, he was outspoken and would talk back, but he really you know not the worst I've seen. Um, in 1999, Stephen would end up moving to Idaho with his father, and Ralph ended up actually having a pretty decent job at this time as a di- uh, executive director for an economic development corporation, which is no, you know, nothing to s- nothing to sneeze at. You know, no, pretty good. Yeah. He's looking at um, the, I believe it was in cul-de-sac, Idaho. Um, yeah, that's the <laughs> there are a lot of cul-de-sacs in cul-de-sac. I, guess, I it, know. It's so. <laughs> what is a more like weird generic name? Suburbanville. <laughs> Suburbia. Suburbia. During this time, uh, Stephen goes to uh, high school through grades nine, ten, and eleven. So freshman to uh, junior, <laughs> I think. Uh, I can't nope, you're right. That. All right. <laughs> but then in two thousand. Steve, uh, the internet is pretty popular around this point, or getting more popular. Mm-hmm. Steve decides to get online, and he makes his own website. What do you think he ends up making for his website? It is about weapons. It's about guns. Oh, no. Okay. And he talks about guns he likes, guns he doesn't like, kind of ratings, like a discussion about firearms okay. and all that. But he also includes um, conversations about gripes, and things that he doesn't like. You don't which really include my gears. Yeah. Which include, quote, minorities getting special treatment. Men who don't keep their women in line. Asthma. Women in general. Wait. The beautiful people. My job. Cleaning. School. Society. The disgusting commercialization of our daily lives. The economic system. Capitalism. Rich people. The United Nations. A world government. The feds. The man and his rules, civil oppression, and the Patriot Act. How old is he at this time? uh, He's about 2000, born in 85, so he's 15 years old. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's bad when kids 14, 15 get online they say I some lo- dumb shit. So I think it also gives you some insight into what his family life was like. I mean, also it's interesting because he's living with his father now. He had been living with his mother. Yeah. Was living with his... his actually, gra- no, he was, was living with his, his grandparents. Yeah. Then his father. Because but his mom moved to Arizona. So yeah, she so was they were interacting. Yeah, interacting. Yeah. Um, so it, it's very telling about how he is perceiving their family life. Considering he says men who don't keep their women in line it is an interesting point there, yeah. Like, because his the, his parents are separated. He's bringing a lot of frustrations, and those frustrations will continue to grow in his early formative years. Unfortunately, here. Um, Send yeah. this kid to therapy. Um, yep. <laughs> During two thousand one, Stephen decides to make a little. Uh, club with his friends called the slackers coalition in arms <laughs> which is a funny my name. god he does just sound like he just sounds like he's 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 like i'm cool yeah super i'm so edgelord, cool super i'm edgelord. super edgelord uh the the purpose of slackers coalition in arms which uh, was apparently designed around to provide advice to protecting yourself from the tyrannical educational institution i mean to be fair our our education system sucks, but that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, yeah. But, like, I don't really Just understand what they're doing. Tell me you for. don't like school without telling me you don't like school. <laughs> Look, I didn't like school either, but, like, I don't know. It's like teachers need to be paid more. That's my feeling. Agreed. Yeah. Um, one of Stephen's close friends that was in the club with him uh, in 2001 was charged with molesting a minor. That friend's dad would then also be arrested later on in 2002 for sexually abusing two minors and will plead to guilty to two counts of lewd and lascivious, lascivious conduct 
with a child and will be given two consecutive 15 year sentences and a $5,000 fine. Honestly, that kid was the kid. The kid was probably abused by the father because kids who are abused often will abuse. Yeah. I mean, I think probably very likely, but this is a close friend of Steven and to see that happen is pretty rough for him. On April 24th, 2001, an argument between two children happens in front of Stephen's home. Stephen grabs an AR-15 in his home and goes to the front yard and begins um, sort of a, not assault, not really fully assaulting them, but it is threatening, very threatening. But he is charged with felony aggravated assault at this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For that charge, and, you know, him being as young as he is, he's 16 at this point, um, he's put on probation for six months, ordered to attend a hunter's safety course, and then write an apology letter and a five-page paper on teen violence. He also underwent a mental health evaluation, and the doctor found that his responses suggest that he often would question authority and was distrusting of the motivations of others. He also said that he was likely introspective and calculating his actions, but also reported that psychopathology is present. Uh, There's no significant uh, psychopathology that would indicate that he is um, not going to comply with conditions of his probation or that he would go on to commit any future crimes. Sure. Sure. He's part of the Slackers Coalition. You think he's going to fucking write a paper on teen violence? <laughs> he did write a paper on teen violence. I forgot he what did? It yeah, he had to. He had to comply with it. It was part of his probation. <sighs> uh, but he did end up... It was five pages. That's nothing. You know? Yeah. Make him write a 50-page paper. See what he comes up with. <laughs> That's real punishment. Death to the bourgeoisie. <laughs> <laughs> Grind Jeff Bezos into sausage. <laughs> Uh, After this period, though, he moves to Phoenix with his um, half-sister and her family. I don't really understand the relationship of the half-sister. I didn't get that many details, but... I'm assuming it's on Roger's side? Yeah, Ralph, I think. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Ralph. Ralph. I believe it's on Ralph's side. Sorry, Mr. Ralph. (laughs) Probably from the first um, wife. Yeah. And uh, he would end up living with them for a little bit. Uh, And he also finishes out... Uh, his last year of high school. I love that you have this at like 20 point font and you still can't read it. Well, <laughs> the problem is, is that I, I write very kind of like stream of consciousness notes. <laughs> and so it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of figure out what I should skip and what I should keep going with as far as content is concerned. Yeah. But anyway, Finishing up his last year of high school, 2003, Stephen ends up visiting his mom and father in different areas. Um, but also in May of 2003, Stephen's old high school friend ends up having sex with an underage girl and then is... Again? Uh, not. It's a different friend. Different friend. The other one was a middle school friend. This is a high school friend. Jeez Louise. Yeah. He knows how to pick them. Yeah, apparently. But his uh, a friend had sex with an underage girl and was charged with sexual assault on a child. Then Stephen moves in with his mom in late 2003 in Nova Scotia. In 2004, Stephen seeks psychiatric help oh. for depression. Okay. He went twice and then canceled all future appointments. During that same year, he also uh, would attend church quite frequently with his mom. Ended up saying that he found Jesus. Um, Stephen then moves closer to friends and he would visit friends often. He traveled quite a lot around the area. He accumulated, you know, an interesting network of people from other places he's been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Canada ends up being his main place that he would end up staying for a lot of, a lot of period, good period of time. In January of 2006, Stephen seems noticeably depressed by friends and family and coworkers. And he actually ends up fainting at work. He's a dishwasher um, at a restaurant during this time. Uh, people would describe him as very friendly overall within his job. Didn't seem like anything is off. But within this period, everybody did notice that he seemed pretty down, not really uplifted at all. Mm-hmm. 
On April 11th of 2006, Stephen withdraws 500 Canadian dollars. I wrote in parentheses, moose bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Petition to change Canadian money to moose bucks. Yeah. (laughs) He then withdraws $2,657 from his uh, U.S. account, leaving a balance of 61 cents. He's taken all his money out. On April 12th, Stephen leaves his friends at Cape Breton and says that he's going to go visit his father in Holton, Maine. A rustic! Oh no, rustic! You mentioned Holton in the last episode, and I was like, yeah, oh, that's where I'm going to Yeah, because Route 2A goes up to Holton. Oh, fucking a rustic. Fucking oh, a rustic. Why are you guys oh, so God, crazy? No oh my God. During the journey, Stephen ends up purchasing a laptop and GPS mapping software pretty you know expensive it ended up being over a thousand dollars at that time so but not nothing too suspicious i think for a kid that's uh tech savvy and also yeah 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 um steven also his car broke down as he was coming down and his father would end up having to pick him up at a certain point but he uh he was able to get to holton maine spent a couple days with his dad and on April 16th, in the very early morning, Stephen sneaks out of a window on the first floor of his father's house, and he steals his father's truck. Um, in the vehicle with him, he would have an open laptop with 29 names taken from the main sex offender registry list. He also had three firearms, a Ruger handgun, Colt 45 semi-auto handgun, and a 2023 uh, Colt Sporter semi-automatic rifle. Uh, the article that I was looking at would describe this as sort of similar to a um, AR-15. Okay. But I also don't know if that's accurate because I think when it comes to journalism and guns, they're not always super accurate. Because yeah. anyway, I'm not saying that it's cool to have an AR-15. I just think that. Sometimes we don't fully understand guns, but at the same time, nobody no. needs a fucking semi-automatic rifle. No, no. Anyway, 3 a.m. Unless you're hunting Spectre Moose. Unless you're hunting Spectre Moose. Every bullet counts. <laughs> <laughs> 3 a.m., though, on April 16th, uh, Stephen goes to the home of Joseph Gray in Milo, Maine. In 1992, Joseph Lewis Gray was convicted of raping a child and indecent uh, assault and battery on, on a person under 14. During that incident, he was 44 years old. 58 years old, when Marshall shows up, he, Marshall uh, Stephen Mark knocks on the door, Joseph opens, and he's immediately shot and killed. He was 58 years old. Stephen continues driving off, and there's a decent chunk of time between the hours here. But he ends up going to Corinth, Maine. Okay. Um, and he knocks on the door of William Elliot. At the time of the Stevens visit, William is 25 years old. In 2002, William was charged with statutory rape of a minor. Um, and his mother would say that this had happened during a time. He was charged in 2002, but this was like before couple years before that he was 19 years old and was apparently dating a 16 year old and not great not great but also not uncommon necessarily yeah because they're only like because again they're within the age but like because i always think of it as like if you're within the age span that you could conceivably be in high school together yeah that changes the discussion for me a little bit yeah. That's something you have to take into account is, like, they could literally have classes together and be in school together. Yeah, I think there's something to consider there. But um, beyond that, I don't think William deserves this. No. Stephen knocks on his door. William answers and immediately shoots and kills him. I think there's something to be said for uh, maybe these... I don't know. Anyway, continue. Big conversation. Big conversation here. William's girlfriend found Will dead and was able to see Stephen leave and take down his license plate number of the truck that he was in. 
God, how terrifying. She wrote it down, calls the cops. And actually at this time, the main sex offender registry is temporarily temporarily taken offline. They're say, so they see a pattern. They start to notice, hey, these were unrelated, but they're both on the registry list. We should take down the registry list. Good uh, thought. Yeah, seriously, it was a pretty good thought. But he had already written down the names. The main sex offender registry list, by the way, not only gave him everybody's names, he also gave him the address. addresses where they yeah. lived and all that. Yeah, because, you know, as, you know, it's freedom of information. You should know if there's somebody living near you that is, has been convicted of these crimes. Yeah. Steven drives through the state, but eventually ditches the truck near a bus station in Bangor, Maine. You did it right. <laughs> He drops ammo into a toilet tank of the station bathroom, and then he buys and boards a uh, buys a ticket and boards a, buys and boards a bus. <laughs> buys a ticket and boards a bus to Boston. Police find the ammo. Okay, and that's probably Concord. Probably, police find the ammo and confirm that he is likely on a bus. At eight p.m. in Boston, Stephen gets off the bus and is standing on a mass transit terminal station. Police surround him, and Stephen takes out his colt and shoots himself in the head. He is then pronounced dead later at the Boston Medical Center at 1130. 1124. That's my story, but... That's it? That's it. He's dead. Well, yeah, but... I, I thought, like, ripple effects and conversation about vigilante justice there was a lot of conversation on whether or not maine should get rid of the sex offender registry and it was literally taken down for a day and then brought back online at the same time this period of the early internet every state would have a sex offender registry site and yeah it would give you all the information where people lived sex offenders would actually end up having a lot of people almost following suit there are instances across the country of people finding sex offenders and killing them or beating them up i am just going to tell you my thought which is i don't think that this is necessary vigilante justice i think that this is him having anger and rage and wanting to take it out on somebody and choosing who he thought was lesser than someone that wouldn't be missed I would uh, agree with you there. I could like, also I see this being a vigilante perspective because of the fact that he had two friends. A lot of his psyche vow revolved around the fact that, okay, he's anti-authority. Mm-hmm. He's also mistrusting of people's motivations. Why? I think it is because he had two friends that would end up doing things that he thought weren't cool, like uh, engaging with an underage person, mm-hmm. sexual assault, stuff like that. People seemingly close to him seem to have. Yeah, well, had that's this. that's well again. That's why I think that that would be his first thought because he has had interactions with people who yeah. have have committed this crime, and for him, he has he does have an emotional thing in it. So he, it, for him, that's the first thing. It's like, who doesn't deserve to live? These people. Mm-hmm. So it's a way for him to enact that, just his obsession, that's why, like, because I feel like there's a lot of moving parts here. Like, he has this, you know, this anti-authority. He has this, you know, this distrust. He dislikes people in general. He seems very misanthropic. Mm -hmm. And also... He's 21 at this time. He's pretty young. That's what, yeah, he, it still has this, like, fuck the world thing. Mm-hmm. And so if he wants to take down some people, then, like, we have, we do have him acting out and bringing a gun out and assaulting children. Yes. <laughs> so that's why for it's just sort of like, so he got in trouble for that. I, like, if he was just sort of like, if I'm going down, I'm going to take these people, these people deserve to come with me. And they, again, they won't be missed. I don't know. Like, again, I can't get into his head because all of this is, like, inconceivable to me. Yeah, I get it. Like, this is not a thought that we would ever have. I think there's something to say that it's like, yes, there could be a lesser 
than kind of complex here. Who knows? Um, I also think that, yeah, maybe he was just saying, like, this will make the world a better place. At one apartment that he lived in, he was near, actually, a registered sex offender um, before he would go on this, uh, this murder spree. But I just... But he only had so he only had two victims and then took his own life. Yeah. Is that considered a spree? No, I don't think it is considered. Spree. I think spree is three or more. Gotcha. Three well, or more. In a counting spree. yourself? No. Okay. I don't think yeah, because I think that usually is that your mom? Nope. That oh. is. Um, <laughs> what is that? Go puff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, your mom calls around this time. Yeah, yeah, she loves to call during the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Marie. <laughs> Go buy her books. <laughs> also, hello to any of Marie's readers who have stuck around this far, if they have. <laughs> I'm shocked you're here. <laughs> Gotta say. <laughs> but yeah, I can definitely see how this like sparks a discussion. It's hard because I think that the sex offender registry list is important because, again, freedom of information. If you're living near these people, you should know. Like, you should know if there is somebody who has been convicted of this crime living near you because then you can take necessarily necessary precautions if if you need to because should these people be able to live in relative seclusion well depend like then you get into questions of like uh you know do they are they going to be repeat offenders how bad was their original crime like there's so much just throw them all on a list call it a day i'm thinking about that arrested development episode where um I think they were, like, selling property in a specific area, yeah. but they ended up just selling it to registered sex offenders. Oh, my God. And it ended up being a whole neighborhood of registered sex offenders. And uh, Michael Sarah, yeah. um, his character was, like, walking around, and he was like, wow, everyone's so nice here, because it's a bunch of, like, dudes just showing up randomly, like, oh, you need something? Hey, you yeah. want some cupcakes? Oh, can I help oh you fix God. them back there? <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Anyway. It's just, because it's also like, but it's also difficult because people end up on the sex offender registry for things like, again, you know, I think, you know, they're in roles in in countries where there aren't Romeo and Juliet laws. Mm -hmm. Hypothetically, you have an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old. And then you'd be put on the sex offender list. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. Because that is statutory rape. Yes. And actually, I remember in high school receiving conversations around this age about this kind of conversation like be very careful who you date or who you're public with because this is a reality that you could face because somebody just decides that they want to like phone it in and it yeah because it also could be like it could be your partner's parents don't like you could be just that i've actually heard of people that i was kind of near have that happen to them where there's just like, I don't like this kid. Boom. You're on the list. There's now. cause I remember this story. This was back in 2010. There was this one guy who he's actually married to the woman that they were a year apart or two years apart. He was 18. She was either 16 or 17. And no, don't do that. <laughs> and so I think her parents had taken him to court and he was put on the sex offender list. They're married now, have children, but he is a registered sex offender. Damn. He cannot attend any of his children's games or events. He can't go pick them up from school. There's got to be a better review, I think, of just, like, the severity of the crime. And also, like, his wife, obviously, is, like, not... But she was a minor at the time. At the time, yeah, but also it's just, like... Yeah, so like, silly, I think. Yeah, because minors often don't have a say in court. And I also say that in cases with, like, like courts don't listen to kids also in parental custody battles. Personal experience, but I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> not going there today! But, you know, it's, it's very difficult because people think that kids don't have any mental capacity whatsoever. I also know, like, it also gets complicated because I remember there was... So, at my high school, after I had graduated, there was an instance where a 18-year-old student mm-hmm. was in a relationship with a... Because he was on the... Because um, it was it was a boy student. Yeah. And he was, he was 18 on the cheerleading squad. 
and they had a coach who had graduated two years before. Okay. And the two of them were in a relationship. Oh. It was, also, people didn't like the fact that they were gay. Oh. Huh. But, so he wasn't a teacher. He was a volunteer coach. Yeah. They had gone to school together. Yeah. But because it's a student and a professional volunteer, I guess is what you would call him. It became a whole thing. It became a thing. <laughs> so it's all, you know, I think it also, again, there's power imbalances, like the appropriateness of dating somebody who's technically below you in a social standing or in a work setting or professional setting. These are all questions. I'm glad I'm married. I don't ever have to think about these <laughs> questions. <laughs> Unless. <laughs> Shake's head now. But yeah, like it's, there's a whole, there's so, so many questions. I think vigilante justice is big old question mark because. I think that this is it's vigilante ne- justice. It's generally never, like most of the time when we hear stories of vigilante justice, the ethicality is very dubious. Absolutely. I don't really trust anybody that thinks to themselves, I'm the right person to be judge, jury, and executioner. You should be very cautious of those individuals. Oh, totally. Like, I'm I'm not for that kind of prairie justice. This isn't the it's really, fucking It's actually interesting man. that you did this because this happens a little bit in the mist. Which we're it about does. to record the bonus episode yeah. for. Gonna get another beer and get into the mist. <laughs> get into the mist. I don't think you want to get into the mist. No, no. I'm gonna stay in the grocery store with Mrs. Carmody. <laughs> um, Thanks for this story. This is a fucking bummer. It's a big bummer, but I also... But I think like, it's, it's fascinating. I, and again, I, I, repercussions, we didn't get into it, but this did help spark conversations in Maine. Whether or not the main registry should stay up. Or how we can do it, it utilize it better. Like, yeah, or how we can use it, utilize it better. And it also spanned across the whole U.S. Because this is not isolated. No. Other murders occurred that were related to people looking up information of people that were on the registry list and killing them or beating them up. Was this happening before This happened too? before him, yeah. Okay, so this he's, he's, one, he's one of many. Yes, uh, he just happened to be in Maine, so he gets to be featured on this podcast. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, even in Canada, where he was from, the whole parliament had a big discussion about, like, registry and sex offender lists or whether or not it should be Well, yeah, because the other thing is, he lived in so many places, he could have done this in any, any one of the places he lived. Yeah, it's just... It just it happened j- to be Maine. It just intersected with um, Maine and Holton and Arustuk, the most terrible place on earth <laughs> sorry Aristic. no you're fine i do hope to visit Aristic someday i we have to oh b i saw there's a pizza place up there they do the most main gimmicky bullshit ever they have a pizza that has ruffles all dressed on it with red hot dogs i can't have the ruffles all dressed anymore oh shit they use sunflower oil Balls. Well, you can watch me eat a whole pizza. <laughs> oh, I love all dressed chips. Is it, wait, is it Ruffles all dressed or is it Humpty Dumpty? It might be Humpty Dumpty, actually. Can you eat the Humpty Dumpty ones? I also can't eat the Humpty Dumpty ones. Then why'd you say it? No, I'm saying because Humpty Dumpty is a main staple. It's probably Humpty Dumpty then. I think they wanted to lean into the main. Yeah. Speaking of leaning into the main... Hey, hey, it's a mainism. Um, so it's a little bit late, you know, this is a Valentine's Day mainism, I think. Oh. But it's uh, kind of interesting because I did actually notice this. So the city of Portland has, no one really knows who's mainly responsible for this. I know what it is! The big red hearts. The Valentine's Day fucking bandit, my literally. The Valentine's Day bandit, yeah. I love, okay. I loved working in Portland because we, like, from my office building on the fifth floor, I could, like, right across, like, they would put up a huge, big heart flag. Yeah. And you could just see it so well from my office window. I love the Melanie Bandit. So when you go around uh, Portland, Maine, around Valentine's Day, you will notice there will be 
random and it's pretty basic it's just a red heart usually on a white square or mm-hmm. white banner or whatever everywhere around mm-hmm. the whole city you'll go like to the farthest reach of the city you might find a heart just randomly somewhere mm-hmm. it's so cool that like the whole community we, gets into this we don't know who it is well i think it's like it's got to be more at than this one point person. at this point we believe it is more than one person yeah but initially it was just stuck on like stars and stuff like that just like somebody once a year was doing this yep. randomly and now it's like you a know. whole community but, thing. Yeah. So, but I think it's really. But we nice. still don't. We don't know who's responsible. I think it's really cool that everybody gets into this thing. Yeah, I know. So I love eighty-eight donuts, and this oh, yeah. year they were a recipient of a heart on Aww. their storefront because also their storefront is fairly new. So they were very like they posted on their Instagram and they're like, "We've been blessed. <laughs> We've been blessed with the heart today. The heart, yeah, that's so sweet. I love the like." It is something that, like, it makes me so happy. And yeah. it makes a lot of other people really happy as well. I think it just adds to it. Maine is like, I mean, Portland. Portland's a cool city. I like it because it's so heavily mixed use. Yes. It's not just a bunch of office buildings. There's so many cities these days where the downtown is just office buildings. Instead, looking at you, Boston. Um, it's become, Unfortunately, it is becoming that. Slowly, like, yeah, the, but like, the there's, parking... there's still residential places there is, all yes. over. Like my, because like my, the place that I used to park is now a hotel. Yeah, and if we're talking about the very like center close to like the city hall, getting more and more like densely populated. The water, well, it's also the water. I'm saying like the waterfront. waterfront. The waterfront's being destroyed by hotels. I just said it. It's fine. It's like right, right there's Becky's, yeah. the cute little diner. Used to you know, and now you look across the street and it's just a giant fucking hotel. Yeah. And it's just kinda like that's the juxtaposition that I'm seeing here is like we have all of these small home like sort of small town businesses. And then your Hilton's getting, and then a Hilton. <laughs> I get you. And parking's also trash. Like Park, parking's always tr- gonna be trash. I think, though, when it comes to Maine and Portland, I, yeah, that's going to be touching into it. I think it's going to still retain a lot of that I hope so. hometown feel, though. I mean, I think it is. Like, I don't know. I've been here for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There's also, uh, Portland also has the most breweries per capita. Yeah, which I was <laughs> very surprised about, actually, coming from Portland, Oregon, where I was like, this place is just built on top of beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And then coming out here and apparently, yeah, you guys have a lot more breweries. You guys also have a lot more, I'd say that the Portland, Oregon has a lot of breweries that are more visible. You guys have a lot of underground ones because like there'll be random beers just like distributed that like if we, there's a little, um, little kind of fun grocery near us. Uh, what was it called? I don't know. There's a cool little indie grocery store nearby. Indie grocery store. And they always have, like, a crazy selection of just, like, unheard of beers. That's why I love Bow Street Beverage. Mm, yeah, Bow Street Beverage. Bow Street has all of, like, the the deep cuts. Yes, they do. They have a lot of interesting stuff out there. Um, it's a cool place. There are a lot of main beers that you won't know about unless you like follow instagrams and shit like that it's wild like i love that too because some of the shit i've had out here just is Slaps. perfect oh my god like there's a green there's the green, green warden. warden by uh who was it soccer brewings mm. no no someone else i can't remember yeah anyway but apparently it's a seasonal thing I had it on Peaks Island, and I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. And then I went on a very long, fruitless journey to try to find more. And then I learned that it only is made in the summer. Yeah, because you have to wait for the the spruce. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. They're tipping. Yeah, I gotta go tipping. But yeah, no, I, I just, but yeah, the mainism was just about the hearts. I thought it was really cool driving through downtown and just seeing it literally everywhere. It's amazing. It also has touched up in some other cities as well. Yep. Like, I dragged through Lewiston a lot. I saw some hearts kind of circling around the area. Oh, which is good, because they need the love. They need the they love. They need the love of up there in Lewiston. Where's the love, the love, the love? I was looking up a... Uh, I saw this map of um, what city does every state dunk on. 
Lewis, Lewis then. was for the May. dirty Lou. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, in Washington, I was curious about that. It's Tacoma, <laughs> 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 which I'm not surprised about. <laughs> but uh, Tacoma also needs love. I love Tacoma. Anyway, but yeah, that was the mainism for the day, buddy. I love the, I love this mainism. This because I like this mainism because I also like have a personal connection to this mainism. I'm glad you uh, like it, man. <laughs> Um, and listeners, I hope you liked today's episode. Uh, don't be a vigilante. Leave that to paid professionals. Or Batman. Or Batman. Robert Pattinson will save the day here. He'll take care of the sex offenders. Robert Pattinson can save me any day. Oh, he can save me any day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that man's beautiful. I love him so much. I feel like <laughs> We'll leave with that. out to us on our twitter at hgh pod or on our instagram at homegrown horror pod we hope to see you again soon Yay!